Sunday morning, 4th of July, on Sunday morning, here at LOH, we're going to be outside, everybody say outside, outside, 9 a.m., 9 a.m., one service next Sunday, everybody together under one roof, outside roof, and uh, so we're, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, sharing a message called America on Fire, and uh, also we're going to have some fun stuff after, after church, uh, uh, we're going to beat the heat, that's why we're going 9 a.m. outside, in the grass, and we're not going to fry you in the grass. And um, listen, we're going to have tie-dyes, T-shirts, free. I love free. You love free? Sparklers and popsicles, it says for the kids. But if you tell them you're a kid and you're my age, we'll work with you, okay? We'll work with you. So that's next Sunday, 9 o'clock outside. Bring somebody and uh, let's, let's see what God does. Anyway. Starting a new series today called The Fire and the Honey. Um, I'm hoping not to give you a sermon this morning. I'm believing this is a word from the throne, and by his mercy and grace, we present it to you. A new series starting today, going to go through July, um, Lord willing. The Fire and the Honey, subtitle, Preparing for the Coming Great Revival. And I didn't blink when I said that. Preparing for the coming great revival. There are symbols of the Holy Spirit in the, in the Bible. And are you still watching live stream? Don't check your Instagram. You got to stay right on this one. Got to stay on it. Uh, the fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit's work that, uh, that, that births fresh zeal for God in, in a life. Uh, brings purifying work to the church and the pulpits and the preachers and the people of God through what the prophet Malachi described as the refiner's fire. Now, here's what we've got to know. When you receive Jesus Christ, I receive Jesus Christ. At the very moment you put faith in him, the blood of Jesus places even the least of these who believe in a perfected once and for all time state for the believer in the presence of the Lord. But the Holy Spirit wants to bring, now that's only if we give him permission, because the Holy Spirit won't go in my life any farther than I allow him. But he will go farther than if I allow him, he'll go, he'll go far. If I humble myself in a position of obedient reverence, he will bring to this perfected state a, a refining process that keeps me or brings me back to what God intends for me to be and you to be, a vessel of honor, fit for the master's use. Many have been called, but few remain chosen. And so it's time for the fire. The honey, we're going to look at the honey as well. The honey represents the precious ministry that comes from the hands of Jesus to heal and to soothe and to help and listen, prosper his people who have walked in the presence of the burning man. The Lord is a fire from the waist up to the waist down. John said, I was on the Isle of Patmos 
And I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What a thought. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a voice like a trumpet behind me say, write these words to the seven churches. And I turned to look at the one who was speaking, and I saw one like the Son of Man whose eyes were like a flaming fire and whose feet were like they've been bronzed in a furnace, the burning man. And he said, and I saw him, and I fell at his feet as a dead man. But he touched me and said, fear not. I am the living one. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Hmm? That's a good morning church service, huh? Right? So here we go. There was a time when Moses thought he was on the backside of nowhere, and his opportunity to be the person that God had raised him up to be had passed. Forty years ago. But your nowhere becomes a somewhere when the fire of God shows up. And so I want to start with showing you a picture of a, of a holy fire leading to heaven's honey moment in the Old Testament. Then I want to show you one in the New Testament. Then I want to talk about us. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 3, it says, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. This was a mountain. In Exodus, it's called the mountain of God, but it was not called the mountain of God when Moses' days were over in his eyes, 40 years gone, and he is um, somewhere that was nowhere in his eyes. But the fire encounter renamed the mountain, and the fire encounter can rename you and me, can rename our church, can rename the city, can rename our households. The fire encounter calls it, this is where God, right? And verse says, then the angel of the Lord, and I don't have time to unpack this, but this, this, is, this is the pre-incarnate son of God who is revealing himself to Moses. He was with them throughout the whole wilderness experience, and they vexed his Holy Spirit. But this is who this is. This is the son of God pre-incarnate, the angel of the Lord, how do we know it's not just an angel? Because he says, I, later. He's talking about the Lord. I've come down. I'm, watch, watch, watch. Don't have time to go there, but if you want to nerd out later, nerd out later on the angel of the Lord concept. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, this is Moses, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. The fire of God won't burn you out. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. Charles Wesley, who wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and many glorious hymns of the church long forgotten. His brother was a preacher, his name was John, and John Wesley stood in the fire of the Great Awakening and his brother set the sermons in the work of God to song. And Charles Wesley is noted to have said, let God set us on fire so greatly that others will come to watch us burn. 
When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, there are people who aren't going to turn to the Lord and notice the church of Jesus Christ until this kind of fire is in our midst. Because there's nothing to look at. But when the fire's there, People go, what is that? And when they get near, they realize he's been calling their name all along, but they couldn't hear him. And Moses said, here I am. Then he said, God said, do not come near. Remove your sandals from your feet. I took a shower this morning, that's why I did it. I wouldn't ask any, I was gonna say everybody do that, but I don't know you, so. Um, <laughs> For the place on which you're standing is holy ground. In other words, hey, this isn't your church. This is mine. Take your shoes off. You know, there's some of us that get so filled with spiritual pride because we've been in it so long that we can strut sitting down And we need the fire to remind us whose it is. So, and then remember last week when I said, what, what, if, if your grandkids someday had a visitation from God and, and God said, hey, I'm the God of your, of your pacha, would, would, would my grandkid go, glory to God, I went in on that because I watched my papa's faith. I'm the God of your father. Would they go, I don't want no part of that mess. And that's not funny. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Notice Moses' response. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. This isn't a fear that, this isn't, you know how we always say, oh, God doesn't want you to be afraid of him, la, 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 marshmallows and sunshine. But listen, there is a proper holy fear of God, and the holy fear of God leads a person out of knucklehead living to wisdom. And Moses was afraid. In other words, he wasn't going to go, hey, what's up? See what I'm saying? When the fire comes, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Later, though, in Moses' life, as he's in the honey, because the fire, when, when, we, when, we, when we respond to the fire of God correctly, you know what? We're going to see in a minute. You, you get in the honey. And listen, there was a lot of times when Moses and God were face to face that Moses didn't hide his face. He unveiled it. You're going, wow, he didn't even start the sermon yet. It's true. He unveiled it. In the honey of God, we have an unveiled face. And he has an unveiled face. The fire of the Spirit comes to set wandering people back on the course of the Lord. The fire of the Spirit comes to re-engage those who thought they missed the bus, thinking it's over when it's truly just getting ready to start. Just stop and ask yourself this. Could God possibly be at a point or he's just getting ready to start. And then he comes and does the following for Moses and for us. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've seen the church in the world 
I've seen what's going on. I've seen people who've never come to know me yet. And I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. I know they're in bondage. I'm aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to this bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and what? Fire and honey. To the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. So he comes to deliver the, deliver the people. Then he comes to lead us into the land the enemy claims and holds and kick them out. That was a place you could have amen right there, man. Kick them out and send the honey. Therefore come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Forty years ago, he didn't say that. Forty years ago, he said, I'm the deliverer. Watch me. They said, who are you? Oh, and by the way, I know what you just did, so you better off uh, 40 years. You are now set to have a fiery encounter when the person you thought was a somebody for God in your own eyes has long been stripped down to nothing more than the bleeding of the voice of sheep and sand of the wilderness in your teeth. You're now ready to have a fiery encounter when the person you thought was a somebody for God has been stripped down. God has you where he wants you. And he says, certainly I will be with you. And this will be the sign I sent you. This mountain that was nowhere mountain, you're going to bring people here and we're going to worship me on this mountain. Holy fire in the Old Testament. Here's one in the New. Jesus has ascended. He's at the Father's right hand, and, and, and he, he said, wait in Jerusalem until the promise. John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. And 120 of them are all together in one place. And suddenly a sound from heaven came like a rushing mighty wind, and in the, in the ceiling of that place, they saw these tongues, like the one in your mouth. I don't know how, I guess 120 of them. If there'd have been 500 people, there'd have been 500 tongues, and, 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 they, and, they, and they're on fire, and, and they separate, and they come, and they rest on every single one of those in Jesus. Every single person who had positioned themselves to go where the voice told them to go, be where the voice told them to be, every single one of them had that fiery tongue come rest on them, and it says they were filled with the Spirit and began to speak with their tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then, you know what happened? People went and looked at that burning bush and said, what is this? And so Peter stands up full of the Spirit and boldness, and he says, this is what the prophet Joel said would be. It'll be in the last days that I'll pour of my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Will you say this, my son will prophesy? Say this, my daughter will prophesy. What's that mean? That means they will speak with the fire of the Word of God in their soul. Right? And your, and, and your young men will see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. I'm dreaming, I don't, but I'm denying the old man part. 
I was telling John Dudiak, my friend, that I, you know, we're probably somewhere in the fourth quarter, but let's just pretend we're in the third still. <laughs> Don't look at me like that because you're, right, you're coming along too. <laughs> Three days ago, I was 16 years old. And I will grant wonders in the sky above. And what on the earth? Signs on the earth. Blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will have a greater deliverance than the Egyptian one. A greater deliverance all over the globe. You will be saved. And that kind of saved is more than getting a Jesus Club card and putting it in your pocket and going and living like the world. It is a transformation of God. Now when they heard this, they felt warm and cuddly and felt real good about their own truth. That's not what it says. You know what it says? Nope. They were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter, brethren, what shall we do? They knew they were in trouble. They knew they had a need for God they didn't know they had a need for. They knew they weren't right. Peter, what should we do? He said, don't worry about it. God loves everybody. Just put a just be kind sign in your yard. You'll be good. I didn't come to play this morning. You'll be all right. Just hold your own truth. That's not what he said. You know what he said? It's what preachers used to say. Repent. It's what people in the fire still say. Repent, which means You've just become aware of information you didn't know. You thought you were going to Shangri-La on your train. The track's out up there and the bridge is gone too and you don't know it and you do. And the mercy of God's shown you, get off this train. If you've got to jump out the window, get off it. You don't believe that? He says, save yourself from this wicked and perverted generation. He says... Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What these guys just had, these girls, this promise is for you. This promise is for your children. This promise is for your backslidden children who are afar off. This promise is for as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. But there has to be fire burning somewhere For people to hear God calling them to himself. So we need to get to the fire. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept exhorting, be saved from this perverse generation. I want to share some statements made by men of God throughout the the last hundred years. Most are dead now, but their words live on. I'm doing it for a couple reasons, because just like another kid today, it pains my heart, don't know who Miles Davis is or Coltrane, they don't know who Robert Johnson is, and it's a sin, some people don't even know who the Beatles are, but, um, so I want to point you back there to, and, and also, there's a lot of good preachers today. I've been fed over this sabbatical by young men of God, but there are people that, 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 that did too much in the old days, and and, and, and dug wells that we can't put dirt in. We got to go back and refine and, and, and go back to our, our, our spiritual father's wells. Here's a guy, A.W. Tozer. He says, 
I say that a Christian congregation can survive and often appear to prosper in the community by the exercise of human talent and without any touch from the Holy Spirit. All that religious activity and the dear people will not know anything better until the great and terrible day when our self-employed talents are burned with fire and only that which is wrought by the Holy Ghost will stand forever. There's a guy that's preaching today still. He's an older fellow. I don't watch him a whole lot, but I've heard him before. Uh, John Hagee, pastors Cornerstone Church in, in San Antonio. And this is John Hagee flavor right here. He's, a church can be unified in one of two ways. You can freeze together as the church of the frozen chosen, <laughs> or you can melt together with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I feel that. Do you feel that? When God came into my life at 17 and a half years old, and mind you, at eight years old, I felt like he strangely warmed my heart. But we didn't, we had, and, 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 and I got friends here whose who's, 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 who's mom uh, taught me the scriptures as a kid. Um, that church was a good church, but when I was a kid needing a youth ministry, not just a youth ministry, but I mean a place where Jesus was, kind of like the move. We didn't have it. I don't put it on them, but I, that, was where, that was where I took exits and incrementally got real lost. And while I was real lost because I was a church kid, I could have led anybody to Jesus and I didn't even walk with him because I was Bible Baptist boy. But I was lost and dark. I looked like uh, Wally Cleaver, but inside I was Eddie Haskell. That's an old reference. I don't know who to talk about. I don't even want to go there. I don't even. But at 17 and a half years old, God sat down on me. And the fire of his presence created this kind of kid. I went door to door in Lower Bel Air community by myself once. And then with my cousin, Jeff, whose hair was on fire from Jesus too. And we went door to door, knock, knock. Hey, I'm a 17-year-old kid. Can I tell you what Jesus Christ has done in my life? We went to every house. Every one of them. Can I tell you what happened in my life? And some people said, no thanks, boom. And some people stood there and went, well, that's great, little buddy. You know, but I'm on my way to hell. No, they didn't say that. But see, I was this kid that Bible passages I didn't memorize came flowing out of me like a river in my bedroom in the evenings. And why was that? It was because I read the New Testament on a weekly basis. Wait a minute, I don't mean I read something from the New Testament on a weekly basis. I read the New Testament on a weekly basis. And I'm not telling you a lie. I read the whole Bible monthly. I'm not lying to you. I went from a, a Bible boy that didn't walk with Jesus to a 17-year-old to a kid who got in the fire of the Holy Spirit. Not as a law. No one said, you're going to read your Bible in the morning. No one said, hey, now that you're saved, here's what you should do. You should develop a devotional life. I'm like, what? Up from the grave I arose, what are you talking about? What else is there to do except let the fire of that word get in the fire of my heart? What else is there in life? That's the person God made me into. I was born again, not in the head, but in the heart. 
And I was filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Back when Peter, James, and John and I was 17, um, they had Sunday night church. And at Sunday night church, it was a little bit more time and they would give testimony, they'd give testimony, and someone would get up and say, I want to thank the Lord, you know, uh, someone helped me pay for my new car getting painted, and I want to thank the Lord, I found a good deal at, uh, at, uh, at, the, uh, at, the, at the shoe store, and I'd be sitting there waiting, and I'd feel this thing rise up in me like it was fire shut up in my bones, and I'd say, I'd start talking about something from the book of Micah, and people would start shaking in front of me. Listen, I didn't grow up in How to Shake for Jesus Church. So there wasn't any kind of thing that someone said, say this and you'll get filled with spirit. There was none of that. And then I started riding around town, a 17-year-old kid, trying to find people who were having prayer meetings because I wanted to be in the presence of the Jesus of the Bible who found me. That sound weird to you? There were people who thought I was weird, but you know what? Dead people always think people have been raised from the dead are weird. Mind you, I'm not talking about going to church people. I'm talking about... I told a friend recently that there are times that the lyrics of an old Michael W. Smith song seem so relevant to me, and it, and it, and it, and it, and it, and it haunts me sometimes. Uh, it goes, there was a boy who had the faith to move a mountain, and like a child, he would believe without a reason. Without a trace, he disappeared into the void, and I've been searching for that missing person. He used to want to try to walk the straight and narrow. He had a fire. He could feel it in the marrow. It's been a long time, and I haven't seen him lately, but I've been searching for that missing person. On my sabbatical, God renewed my faith in the prophetic word of the Lord and the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. What is a manifestation gift? I call it the when God shows up gifts of the New Testament and actively brings forth something in light that you didn't know was there, God. And he does it through choosing people who will be willing to let him manifest any of the following. To one, the word of wisdom. That's not just you, you had a 4.0 and you uh, graduated magna cum laude and with a philosophical degree. You can be dumb as a post and God can say something through you that can, that can explain the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. That's the kind of wisdom we're talking about. The word of knowledge, meaning you know and you know her and you tell it to the people and it's what God is trying to say at the very moment. The gifts of healings, working of miracles, on and on. The word of prophecy, where there is a new message from God that is not contrary to this, but takes something from this that's relevant to a moment and says it as if God is standing there telling you. It can be personal, it can be corporate. Tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts are brought about by one and the same Holy Spirit distributing to one individually just as he chooses. In the past sabbatical season, the Holy Spirit started asking me, are you willing to be the kid that you told me you would be as a man when I would ask you challenging questions in chapel service at Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. Are you willing to be that kid? Are you willing to be that kid as a man after 32 years of all kinds of ministry and all kinds of real and all kinds of not real and, and, and being in the burning presence of the burning man and being burned by men? Are you willing, 
Are you willing? Are you willing to step out in faith and, and be used by me or challenge others to step out in faith, to be used by me in manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit when people won't understand. But my passion is not to get people to understand. My passion is to get people healed, delivered, set free, and come to a place where they know that God is really reading their mail and wanting their life. And I've been saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I, I want to walk in a new way of ministry. Just like the Beatles buried the uh, Beatlemania in 66 while Paul began to write Sergeant Pepper, I buried my ministry in Fort Lauderdale. And I'd rather watch his than him watch mine. Lord, let me stand next to your fire. What else is there? There's nothing else. At the end of the message I preached a few weeks ago, Riptide, and by the way, if you haven't heard it, you need to, you need to not just listen, you need to hear it. It's out there on Facebook. It's out there in, in our podcast. It's out there on YouTube and all that. It's going to be on ABC tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> and oh, by the way, if you're still in the riptide, you don't have much time. You got to get out. At the end of that message, I shared about the coming move of God that I wrote about while I was in Fort Lauderdale, just in a time with the Lord and I'm just going to share it with you again. I shared it in that message, but in case you weren't here, I wrote, I've seen the wave of glory that's coming toward us and toward his churches and his little lambs that we bring into this house. A word that says the reward for those who will totally surrender will be a massive weight of the majesty of his kingly robe on the houses of worship like honey dripping off the roof of wholehearted gatherers like Cornelius and his family who didn't know anything about me except that there was a fisherman that wanted to explain it, and so they sat saying, we are here waiting to hear everything you have for us. Even if you're lame in your walk, even if you're double vision in your sight, even if you're blind, he cares not, for he will grant by his mercy sight to you again. A powerful deliverance from dark spirits that have mocked your life, mocked men of God, mocked ministries, will be snapped like a twig in the presence of the liberating one for men and women of faith. What's coming on this new young people of God will be the greatest move toward unity and gathering that's been seen in over a hundred years, and nothing will compare to it. Your children right now will walk into a fiery glory of God that will have long been lit for them when they reach their adolescent years. There is a new generation needing a visitation from the holy presence of God. William Booth, who founded the Salvation Army, 
The Foundation Army now, uh, you know, we, I don't know what you think, but you think of, the, uh, you know, if you just think of it off the top of your head, you think of Christmas and ringing the bell and dropping a couple pennies in the thing or possibly giving the clothes you don't want, want to wear and wouldn't give to anybody, but you give the Salvation Army, you know, that. But, but and there's time where, you know, people go to the mall and they see them at Christmas and they don't even have enough money to get their own kids something. So they're like, oh, I feel bad, but I got to avoid the Salvation Army bell ringer guy. Well, back when William Booth and the Salvation Army started, they avoided the Salvation Army not because they wanted their clothes on their money for Christmas presents because they were preaching with fire on the streets and people were getting convicted of their sins. William Booth, who founded the, the Salvation Army, said this, there are different kinds of fire. There is false fire. And some of us who've been in this thing long enough, and if you've been in a charismatic Pentecostal Holy Spirit where you say you believe in all it was that it is, you're going to attract all kinds of people. You're going to attract people that are, that are, that are just godly and straight and, 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 and walk in, 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 in reverence toward the things of the Holy Spirit and the fire and the flame and things we can't understand. But then you're also going to uh, attract uh, the strange and the weird. And, 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 the, and, and, and that's what he's saying right here. No one knows this better than we do, but we are no such fools to deny the true because we see the false. Amen. You tracking with me on that? Um, and although we see here and there manifestations of what appears to us to be nothing more than mere earthly fire, we nonetheless prize and value and seek for the genuine fire which comes from the altar of the Lord. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church. Listen up. Founder of the Methodist Church preached in the fire of the Great Awakening. Did he just take my shoes? No, he took his shoes. <laughs> hey, I can't even see you. The lights are bright. Hey, here's what John Wesley said in his time. In the fire of the Great Awakening, when the Methodist Church was the rocking church, right? My fear. Now I wrote to myself, have a honey and humility tone when you say this. I got to get back to that. Let's do it. My fear is not that our great movement known as the Methodists will eventually cease to exist or one day die from the earth. My fear is that our people will become content to live without the fire the power, the excitement, the supernatural element that makes us great. I bet you when he said such a thing, people in that fire thought, no way, never. No way, never. Imagine saying to them at that day, hey, someday your church will be divided over whether people who are a he think they're a she. And we'll not only be struggling with that, but we'll be christening People calling them truly converted who think that. And some will be preaching to your kids. Well, at least that can't happen in the Southern Baptist Convention, right? And that'll never happen. God forbid that would ever happen in the assemblies of God. God forbid. When's the last time you heard a manifestation of tongues in an assemblies of God church? Now, that, that wasn't the cue for someone to go, I'm going to, here I go. Before he's done, man, I'm going to bust it out. Have you seen the John Wesleys lately? 
Here's what the prophet Elijah said to a people whose ancestors walked away from the Red Sea on dry ground thing and the we ate manna from heaven for 40 years thing. Long ago walked away from the altar of Yahweh to do what was right in their own eyes and even sacrificing their kids' future, future on the altars of the no God gods of the culture. Here's what Elijah said to them. You call on the name of your God, small g, and I'll call on the name of Yahweh, the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people said, that's a good idea. I don't think everybody, all the people would say that today. Hey, if you're talking about that kind of stuff coming in our church, our church, because we got our shoes on. Our church, I remember going door-to-door in Lakeland, Florida, knocking on door-to-door, nothing against the Lutherans, but I I was knocking on a door, and it's like I was still, hey, I'm Tim, I want to talk about Jesus. He goes, hey, we're Lutherans. Boom, slammed the door in my face. I walked away and thought, well, are you saved? Nothing against Lutherans, but, you know, I actually had a radical revelation that um, that there are people who go to uh, Bible-believing Baptist churches that aren't saved and Holy Ghost-filled whatever churches that aren't. They're in it. They're, they've grown up in it, around it, but never in it. Around the cross, but not on it. Here's what Elijah's asking them. How long will those of you backsliders who have now come to a place where your previous Holy Spirit-revealed convictions are now up for debate are now... I'm not sure anymore opinions instead of convictions. Opinions have, are now in your life instead of convictions because those who love the world are now influencing a church because the church doesn't have the fire. Listen, it's time for some of us to look boldly in the face of those seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Those spirits are telling us it's okay to pitch your tent close to Sodom. And say to the devil who's telling pastors to add a little water to the fire or they won't come back anymore. Here's what we need to say. And here's what I'm saying. Hey, move over, Rover. It's time for Jesus to take over. You always got to throw a little Jimi Hendrix in a sermon to get it going again. Here's what John the baptizer said. As for me, I baptize you with water. But one is coming. One is coming who is mightier than I. And I, this is John, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. John the baptizer actually came out of the pages of Isaiah the prophet. And he knew the refiner was coming from Malachi. And they even, he was so anointed that they thought he was Elijah reincarnated. And he said that the burning man that Ezekiel saw and Isaiah saw and who approached the ancient of days in the vision of Daniel was going to come step down into these waters. Slaves took the sandals off their master's feet, and John said, I'm not worthy 
to even be at that level with the Messiah. And Jesus said about him, though, that no man born of a woman was greater than John. Jesus described John as, ready, a burning and shining lamp. And Jesus tells us, as the, as the, as the turbulent tides and the waves and men's hearts and COVID, the COVID pandemic was the see you later alligator from those who were just thinking about getting their feet in the church and they're gone. Let your lamps be burning like those awaiting the arrival of their master when he comes. How do we do that? John points the way. Last verse. Stand, please. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will not just put a picture of himself in your pocket, a chain of a cross on your neck. He will immerse you in heaven's power and the purifying sets you up right refining processes of the same burning that called Moses back to be the person he had thought he lost 40 years before. Who am I talking to in this room? Who am I talking to out there? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This is the introduction of the series, The Fire and the Honey. Would you symbolically take off your shoes in this room? Lord, there are people in the world and people in the church who are now wavering between all kinds of opinions. And what once was a rock-solid conviction, once was a fire shut up in the bones, once when it was a law and not a, 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 it was a love and not a law, because the fire was there. There's a time in the tabernacle of Shiloh when Eli the priest had long forgotten God and tolerated his son's priestly ministry that mocked the holiness of the Lord. And it says that the lamp had gone out in the house of the Lord. Oh, Lord, let us... Come on, get to the altar. Come on, get to the... You waiting on my invitation? Get to the altar. Come on. Come on. Oh, Lord. Hey, are you checking an Instagram? A, a prophet of God's talking to you right now. Are you checking? Did you quit? He is coming. And he's looking for people whose hearts are ablaze. I know your works. You're rich. You're increased with goods. Your church is paid off. You have need of nothing. 
what you don't know. What you don't know is what Eli didn't know. The fire had gone out in the house of the Lord. I point you to no preacher, no pastor, no denomination. I point you to the one who said, I'm alive forevermore. And here's what we say to him, Lord, let me stand next to your fire. Oh, Lord, send the fire just now. Oh, Lord, send the fire just now. Oh, Lord, send the fire just now. And baptize every one. The altars are open. Get your conviction back. Strengthen the feeble knees and the hands that have dropped. Get new vision. He is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, Jesus. Holy Spirit.